Kate Tell Podcast, where we discuss the transition from sport to career. I am your host, Christina Alexander. My guest today is Tani Belafonte, actor and media entrepreneur, SAG AFTRA member, where she is a working actress in the industry, representing and partnering with some amazingly talented artists and brands. Her recent success includes guest appearances on the infamous Law and Order, Fox's 911, CBS's FBI International, and most recently, Paramount Plus Star Trek Picard. She will outline how to attract success and the importance of family and community. So please welcome Tani Belafonte. Okay. <laughs> How are you? Hi, Christina. Thank you so much for having me. I am doing well. I am well. Thank you. I'm happy to have you here on this platform. Mm. Oh, yes. So let's, yeah. I want to get, I want to dive completely right in. Let's okay. start with how did sports, specifically basketball, first into your life? Because that's, that's initially why I wanted to bring you on this platform is to talk about that transition like what like like how did sports enter your life it's funny i um resisted basketball as long as i could what um yes so i was in seventh grade and Mm -hmm. we finally got a cheerleading squad at my catholic school that i was attending we never had a cheerleading squad finally got a cheerleading squad and i wanted to be a cheerleader okay Mm. i was very tall at the time i think i think by seventh grade i was still maybe like maybe two people were taller than me in the entire class. So it was still, I was still pretty tall, but I had a couple people still a couple, like an inch or two taller. But I didn't want to play basketball. I wanted to be a cheerleader and dance and shake my tail feather. Oh, wow. And so the coach used to ke- keep saying, um, you're too tall to be a cheerleader. You need to come mm-hmm. over here and play basketball. And I said, excuse you, no, I am not. Right. And <laughs> so I went on and cheered all season for um, in my seventh grade year. Then my eighth grade year came around and we no longer had a budget for cheerleading. We only had mm-hmm. it for one year. And I was like, we just got the chip. Oh, mm-hmm. man. So cheerleading was no longer an option. And so everyone, including the coach, kept on me. And you should play ball. You're so tall. You should play ball. You can be great at it. And I'm like, I've never picked up a basketball in my life. So I'm like. Oh, eighth grade I, was the first time you picked it up. It was the first time I had ever picked up a basketball. And so I was like, um, okay, fine. Let me go try out this thing called basketball. I think I had been watching it maybe a year or two by then with my mom. She, my mom is a great lover of sports. And so I remember the first time we watched a basketball game. It probably was March Madness, if I'm not mistaken. And I remember watching Michigan, University of Michigan, because they had the yellow. And mm-hmm. I guess they might have been playing Michigan State. I don't remember, but I remember seeing that yellow jersey. And I was like, I like that, you know, jersey color. <laughs> and we were rooting for University of Michigan. And so I, I was familiar with the game, but I had never played. So finally, I tried out for the team. Obviously, I'm going to be their center. They picked me to be on the team. I was scrub juice. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was pretty bad. Wait a I was, minute. Like, I wasn't helpless. <laughs> Luckily, I was athletic. I was taking karate. So I had already, you know, uh, agency over my body. Um, mm. And I was Which strong. Helps. Which yes, helps. exactly. Exactly. You need balance and coordination in basketball. Um, and so, yeah, so that's kind of how it started. I, I no, no more cheerleading. And they kept on me about, you know, playing basketball. So I went out and did it. And did you, I mean, did you like it once you kind of got a structured environment and 
practice and the coaches, okay, we're going to do layups today. We're going to do jump shot. Like, did you, did you, did it pique your curiosity or was it just like, look, you ain't got no cheerleading. So this is it for me. Oh, well. You know, I don't quite remember how much I loved it right away. I think I do remember enjoying it. And I think I was a natural athlete. So I think I enjoyed just playing mm-hmm. and, you know, learning a new skill. I don't remember feeling like, oh my God, I just love this sport so much and I was sleeping with my basketball. I don't think I got to really love the sport until I learned later that I could get a scholarship and go to college. I think that's really what just turned the the knob, I don't know, for me, where it was just like, okay, well, I have a goal with this thing. This can take me somewhere. Um, well, when did that happen? I think uh, my, that might have been the end of my freshman year, if I'm not mistaken. I think around my freshman year, end of my freshman mm-hmm. year in high school, I learned that, hey, if you do really good in this sport, they can pay for your college education. And I knew that I didn't have the means necessarily, and my grades were decent, but I didn't think I was good enough to get an academic scholarship, mm-hmm. uh, like full ride. So I was like, okay, well, let me try this thing. and see how far it takes me and then um coincidentally i was in karate at the time i had already spent i think two or three years in karate i was doing really well i was advancing very nicely and i was actually um only two 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 or three belts away from black um i was very competitive we'd travel and i'd win six foot trophies and stuff like that and it was a choice of i couldn't do both anymore just with Mm -hmm. you know being the age I was and travel and homework and everything. So I had to make a decision whether I was going to continue to take karate and do that or, uh, you know, take basketball more seriously. And because of, like I said, the promises of what the sport could do for me, I decided to go with basketball. Got it. Got it. Now, so who was the most influential person during that time? Is it, was it mom? Was it a coach? Was it, yeah, who was it? Growing up, you mean, or playing mm-hmm. basketball? Uh, I would say, up, yeah, leading you, guiding you, assisting you with the sport aspect. You know, my mom, <laughs> funny, because we were talking about this literally yesterday, uh, Sunday. I go, I try to go to her home, or she comes to my house every Sunday. We have dinner and hang out. Um, I just make sure I have that day for her, especially. She right. Shout goes. out to mom. That's mom's <laughs> name. Uh, uh, Miss Carmen. She's a girl. Wait, say that again. Miss Carmen. Miss Carmen, shout out to Miss Carmen. Hi, Miss Carmen. She would say, no, don't worry about it. Just call me Carmen. And I'm like, no, Mom, Miss Carmen. Miss Carmen. Oh, no, I understand. I got island folk, too. No, we say Miss and Mr. Hello, good night. Hello. (laughs) Yeah, hello. You walk into a room, you say hello to everybody. Manners is important. Okay. Okay. So my mom definitely, um, I wish... We were talking. This is exactly what we were talking about. We were talking about the cycle of life and how, mm-hmm. when we're all younger, we all think we know it all, and then someone older says, "Hey, I was like you when I was your age, and I thought I knew it all too, but I didn't. And if you listen to me, you'll be better off because I've been here before." And then you're mm-hmm. like, "No, I want to make my own mistakes. I know exactly what's." Good. And then you get to their age, and you're like, "Damn it." I would have just listened because they did know what they were talking about, but I didn't listen. And now here I am, and I kind of just paid attention when I should have paid attention. So, you know, mom knew she she was ahead of the game. She knew what was going on. She wanted me to be a a, a bank shot shooter. She mm-hmm. kept wanting me to hit it up, 
That's her talking about dribble. That's the Jamaican now, right? So her dribble was bum bum to the basket. Bum bum shoot it off the backboard. So <laughs> she always wanted me to bum bum and shoot it off the backboard. And I and because at the time Tim Duncan hadn't made it to college yet and we weren't familiar with anyone making the bank shot very popular. Right. I'm like, no, you gotta right. shoot it straight into the hole. Which means bank shot. So I didn't take that little skill, which could have been a nice little trademark. Um, and she, you know, my mom used to like, literally want to take me to the court, basketball in hand, and like, let's go work on your handle, let's go work on this and that. And I would go, but I was just a stubborn child and just like thinking my mom didn't know exactly everything she did know. And she didn't play basketball in, in Jamaica. She played something called netball, which is their version of basketball. Mm-hmm. And the rules are a little different, but you know, some of it are, is the same. Um, so she had skill. She had knowledge of this thing, of this sport. And she just, she at least wanted to help me with what she knew to help me with. And even if it was four things, if I would have solidified those four things, that's a great foundation. So she was very influential in my career in that way with putting forth the work and like kind of being um, encouraging and getting out there with mm-hmm. me. Um, she'd always come to every single one of my games. Yes. Um, in high school, she would make sure she made it. It would be snowing. I mean, we lived at the time, I lived in Manhattan and I was going to school in the Bronx. Oh, yeah. I got into the school the high school, the August before we started in September, and it was going to be too much to like switch a school. And so I had to, you know, wake up every morning at quarter to six to get out of the house at quarter to seven to get uptown by eight o'clock. Yeah. And my mom would make sure she left work on time and get up to my games every single day or every game and always be in the stands. And my my teammates would be like, Everybody. But isn't that the best though? Like you said, when we were younger, we were like, I know better. I, I, I know what I'm doing. Let me make my, and now we get to reflect and really appreciate our parents and say, wait a minute, you were so right. I wish I took every note, wrote it down and said it 55 million times. Maybe life would have been just a little bit easier and or different. So shout bit. out to the the effect of having a support system, having an, a parent or a guardian or someone who just pours into you. And even though you fought them, because I'm sure my mother and my father would, would tell you stories about right their right. only daughter, but it's such mm-hmm. a blessing looking back on that now. I can relate with you on that one for sure. And it's great to know, like my mom is still here. I'm so grateful that she's mm-hmm. still here. I'm so grateful she's so healthy. And she's strong and she's a sound mind and body. And then now it's just a matter of like, come on, Lord, let me get to where I got to go so I can give back to her. You exactly. know, I want her to be able to enjoy herself in the in her retirement years to go travel, whatever it is that she wants to do. But I, I want her to be able to enjoy it. I would just feel like so robbed if, you know, but I'm just I'm just pushing forward and keeping focus and, and keeping faith that I will be able to let her do whatever she wants and I'll be able to subsidize you know the rest of her life amen, amen. comfortably comfortably right that's important comfortably yes. we, ain't, mm-hmm. we ain't trying to do no more walmarts and none of that at the kind um, of ages no, comfortably ma'am. yes mm-hmm. <laughs> so describe that transition so talk about how well obviously with your high school and then you into college at temple like 
what was that transition? Because, you know, everybody, shout out to the infamous Dawn Staley. Yes. Come on now. (laughs) Right. I want to give her her propers. Talk about that transition from high school to college. So um, I played with the Gauchos. Um, mm-hmm. which was the first we were, like, dang, I'm dating myself. It's okay, though. There's it's only okay. one way to stay young. Okay. <laughs> Six feet under, hello. Um, I started with one of Gaucho's first female teams in the 90s and mm-hmm. the late 90s, <clears throat> the very late tail end of the 90s. <laughs> and, um, you know, we had a uh, coach, Walter Welsh was our coach and the um, infamous. Wait, we got to give Walter his yeah. flowers and keep telling Walter he is the GOAT. He, he, he literally is. is. He is responsible for so many women going to college and being who they are today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his, the way, the work ethic he instilled in me is what took me through, you know, my career because mm-hmm. I, I wasn't afraid anymore. Like, look, you go through Walter, you can make it through anything, you okay. know? And then I had another coach, uh, Coach Victor Hall, who was like my private coach that I would go to after high school practice because I wanted mm-hmm. to really get better. And I knew I only had a short window because I had started so late. Mm-hmm. And these girls had been playing all the time. So I was playing with the Gauchos. Um, the girls on my team were literally top 25 in the country. Mm-hmm. And here was little old me trying to find the space. <laughs> and I'm an undersized three guard. I technically should be a point guard. I'm five, nine and a half. And I'm, but I've only, only played in the post. So I'm a way undersized center coming mm-hmm. up against these girls who are Addy is six one, you know, five or six two, like Monique Coke, like. Well, Coco was a, you know, she was on the opposite opposing team, but we had all these girls. Bethany Donahue, these girls are tall big and girls, big, and right. where, where, where do I imposing go? Imposing so factors in the paint. Yes, exactly. And women are kind of brutal in a way. Like you know, women don't play. Mm-hmm. Like no. Chambers, Ain't Danielle no fun Chambers. Games with this, this is business. Danielle Chambers was one of my play, uh, one of my teammates, and she. I wouldn't want to go up against her. And like when I think about her boxing, I'm like, yeah, that's just what I'm saying. Women are just like she cares less. So here I am, undersized, in the post, but don't have wing guard skills, and so I'm kind of lost right now in the sauce. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, what am I gonna do? And Walter has no patience for me. Okay, he is like, get it together or get off the court. <laughs> And so that's really when I had to step up even more with the training outside and training with Coach Vic, just really trying to strengthen my game. And so we traveled every summer. We went as far as Birmingham, Alabama. Man, we drove to Birmingham, Alabama. That's some kids from New York City trying to, you know, make it things that we did. And it wasn't like we had a comfortable ride. It was one of those no. 15 passenger vans. I think we had two of them. We had two teams and we had luggage. And so, hello, we're not. Yeah, not, no. <laughs> so um, just having to get better, having to continue to get better. And I did. I worked hard and I improved my skills and I started to get some looks. And it was good playing with a team, with, with teammates who were that um, skilled because everybody was, was watching the games. them. Yeah. And, and even though maybe one or two would pick me, they would still be really focused on them. I still started to get some um, notices, some looks, and I started getting mail at the house and letters from colleges who of were course. interested in me. And uh, and listen, I'm going to tell you, I had a bit of shadow um, 
a bit of like a imposter syndrome because I would get the letters, but I was like, wait, did they send it to me? They might have made a mistake. I don't think they meant to send it to my house. I'm getting all these letters and I don't think any of them are for me. Tony, really? So uh, now I'm going into my senior year and all the schools that are recruiting me, I have a couple visits. Um, I have mm-hmm. a couple coaches come to my home, um, but none of the schools that were recruiting me were any schools that I really felt passionate about going to. I really wanted to go to Florida State. That was like the school I wanted to go to. Didn't we all? They weren't. Okay. Listen, I think my life would definitely have been a lot different if I went to Florida State. Let me just say that. Anyway, um, Temple was great. Temple was great. Um, so I, I just. Mm, and I, either they didn't have kinesiology, which is what I wanted to study. I thought I was going to be a physical therapist, and a lot of schools didn't offer the program at the time. So my my choices were kind of limited. And mm-hmm. like I said, they were either in a really cold place. They were um, just not what I wanted. So uh, I applied for regular uh, applied uh, regular admission to a few universities. Temple actually offered me a small academic scholarship, okay. which I was like, wait, how did that happen? But okay. <laughs> so with that, <laughs> with that, um, and it being far enough, I felt like from New York-ish, but not too far where my mom couldn't like come and see the games. Um, I said, okay, I'm gonna go to Temple. It's right there, it's Philly. I thought Philly was gonna be a comparable city to New York. So I felt confident about that. And I also knew like Temple had enough black people there where I right. wouldn't go crazy, but it right. wasn't too many too that many. I wouldn't get Not back. Too much. I, I, I wish nowadays, like I look back, I'm like, dang, I wish I would have went to an HBCU. But I knew at the time I felt like I was just going to be at everybody's party right. doing everything but studying. Yeah. So under that guys, you know, that's why I didn't go. But for everything else, I really do wish I would have went to an HBCU. But lo and behold, like I said, we had enough people at Temple to keep us all sane. So I I, I uh, went to Temple. So being that I was going, I wasn't there on scholarship. I wasn't directly involved with the girls' team right away. So they had already been there probably since August, doing their you know right. preseason workouts and stuff. And here I am coming in September, but now I'm still coming in in like the middle of September ish mm-hmm. because I'm getting acclimated with you know, the school and the environment, they're not really asking outsiders to come yet to participate. So in the midst of this all, I had my knee, I had a knee surgery, my junior, I had two knee surgeries. Oh, so we had adversity injuries. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I had a knee surgery my summer of my sophomore year going into junior or junior going into senior. I can't remember, but I had, I think it was junior. Just, I can't remember, but I had a knee surgery, so my, but my knee never quite came back to its full place of, you know, strength and everything. I had um, torn my, my medial meniscus, I believe mm-hmm. it was. Um, so I'm having knee issues. I'm wondering if I should really try out for this team. I don't quite feel like I'm going to make it. I almost feel like I want to do something else. I want to explore acting. I want to explore some other things because I saw that they had some electives and I'm like, maybe I should, I don't know. And then some students who we just met not too long ago, we might've met at orientation in May or June, but we hadn't you know, really known each other. They were like, no, Tani, you should try out. You should really go and try out. And I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, no, go for it, go get it. And they really were encouraging me. And let me tell you the day of tryouts, Uh-oh. I don't know where the team is. Now, mind you, tryouts is like five in the morning. It's dark outside. It's 
pitch black. I'm trying to find this gym. I go, I don't see anybody. I don't have any note, nowhere to call the lady. I go back to the door and she said, what happened? I said, I can't find them. She said, what you mean? She said, they're there. I said, no, they're not there. I went to McGonagall Hall. I don't see them. And when I went to the Leah Kaur Center at the time, I think I might've saw them, but I couldn't get in the front door. Mm-hmm. And I did, obviously, you know, the arena, they're not gonna right, be open, you have to go through a side door. Somebody told me about the side door. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know mm-hmm. there was a side door. So she goes, no, 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 you gotta go back. She said, go back, go back. I said, well, I'm late now, because now it's like 5.20, I start at five o'clock. Uh-uh. She said, no, go back, go down the loading dock on the side of the building, that's how you're gonna get in. Man, I don't think I get there for 30 minutes, I'm late. So I'm trying to, hello, I'm trying out for a team. For a team that you're late. I'm late, day one. Coach Don Staley. Looking at you like, who is this? Who is this? So, lo and behold, did you make it? So, lo and behold, by default, and I I made them pay for this by default (laughs) because they apparently I wasn't the first choice. There was me and another young lady, and we were, they were up against us. To me, I felt like I was more skilled than she was. She may have been a little. She was taller, a little bit more body on her, but she was scrappier. But I felt like I had more skill. But they were back and forth between her and I. And actually, she was going to make the team, but she got sick. I don't know mm-hmm. if she really got sick, but she got sick. <laughs> and she didn't show up for practice, and she never called. She didn't show. She didn't say anything to anybody. So Can't that is not, you can't do that. And so that was like, okay, we'll, we'll take Tony Belafonte fine. And I'm like, oh! <laughs> Right, me. I'll I'll be the underdog, and I was the underdog. But I fought, and my sophomore year, I became a starter as a walk-on. I outplayed the scholarship athletes. I outplayed one of the girls who was like all Miss Philadelphia, all state, whatever, whatever. And I just, you know, it wasn't anything that I necessarily knew that that's what I was going for. Mm -hmm. But I just knew I was going for the the work, like to work hard. And so I you know, put my head down, did everything I had to do and showed up and showed out every practice and was consistent. And I earned a starting start spot myself for a year. Wow. Nugget drop. That was a long-winded answer, but. Yeah. Perseverance. No, that's the journey. That's the transition. That's the that tra- Folks need to hear that because as you were talking, I'm thinking, yeah, back then we didn't have cell phones. So you couldn't call somebody or text and say, hey, come open up the door. You had to go back to your starting point and then redo the whole process all over again. But we're not going to well, talk about that. I mean, uh, we had cell phones last time I was Did you? Oh, well, I didn't. <laughs> I that. Look, Oops. We had Oops. cell phones came out by. That's okay. That's okay. Cell phones came out by my junior year in high school because I was one of the first ones in my high school to get a cell phone. I was like, Mama, what you have me a cell phone for? I had an OmniPoint <laughs> flip phone. Not can't. You can't even find those on the black market. No. No yeah, flip phones. No, which I, I kept mine. Which I kept mine, yeah. <laughs> Oh, but no, but at the time I didn't have anyone's number to call anyway, so it wouldn't work. Mm, interesting. So, yeah. what would you say, sharing that story with us? What was the greatest lesson learned on the court and off the court at Temple? Show up. Mm. It was show up because there were days. I mean, listen, there were days I would show up to practice and go, "I'm not working hard today. I'm just going just." I'm just going to be here because I don't feel like it. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as that whistle blows, I'm first. I'm pushing to be Locked first. In. I'm. I, it's just, even one of the days I wanted to 
suck or, you know, come in last and whatever was within me didn't allow me to do that. And so that grit just kept pushing me forward and encouraging me to work hard. But that, I think that's also just something that's in me, mm-hmm. um, not that can be taught, you know. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. So talk about that transition. All right. We, we spent time in high school, starting point. It took us to started, college. Started you were able to exp- you were able to explore things at Temple. How did you get into acting? How did that become? Okay, so all three four years while I'm there, I'm studying science. I love science, um, but I'm also lowering my. Um, I don't want to say achievement. Um, uh, what, what's the best way to say this? Okay, so basically, I started out at the top. So kinesiology is your umbrella for all the the studies and mm-hmm. specifications under it. So you have kinesiology. If you want to be a physical therapist, you would go under kinesiology. If you want to be a, a phys ed coach, you would go under kinesiology. But you have different tracks. So I went into school starting wanting to be a, phys- a physical therapist. My freshman year, when I walked into my um, guidance council office, she told me I was going to have to take calculus, <laughs> chemistry, physics, like all of these courses. And I said, well, well maybe I don't need to be that. Because <laughs> I, I was in the honors classes. I was in honors bio, honors chem, and honors mm-hmm. physics all throughout my high school career. And I was in pre-calculus in my senior I, was, I never knew how I got into these classes, by the way. But I said, <laughs> Well, those were really hard when I was taking them in high school. So I could just imagine how impossible it was going to be in college. So mm-hmm. I said, okay, okay. Well, if I don't take these classes, what can I still do in this field? So she said, okay, well, then you can still be an exercise physiologist. You just have to take physiology. So I said, okay. So I landed, which was like one degree below or one track below physical therapy, exercise phys. I was like, all right, okay. I'll do that. Okay. Then I, think I got to an area where again, some of these classes, and I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. So I went to exercise science. Okay. Got this, this, and now we got exercise science. So here I am. I'm like, okay, I can do this. Exercise science. We got biomechanics. We have anatomy and physiology. We got all these toys. I can do this. So here I am chilling exercise science. My senior year, um, I have to do, actually, yeah, my senior year is when you're supposed to do your internship, and mm-hmm. they really need you to do, like, these clinical hours, and you have to do all these hours, but I'm playing basketball. There's no way that I can do my clinical mm-hmm. hours while playing on my second half, especially during the second half of the season. So I go to the head of the department, and I ask him before my senior year starts, while I'm in the summer uh, before my senior year, I say, can I do my internship early? He approves that I can do it early. So I say, great. So I start off at the Temple with the Temple football team. I come back okay. to New York and I go work at Chelsea Piers and I do my internship there. When I left, I said, huh. I'm sitting on my couch this August and I'm like, huh. I don't know if I want to do this for 30 years. Like I just didn't feel like it was something that I was going to enjoy for 30 years. And I was doing more um, kind of on the training side of things like, uh, functional training, functional yeah. movements, any type of rehab training, that type of thing. And I just was like, I mean, I love fitness and stuff, but I just didn't feel like I really loved it enough to do this for the rest of my life. So I'm sitting on the couch and I'm look, I'm watching television. I'm watching Wild on E on the E Television <laughs> Network. You remember that show? Yes. And Brooke Burke was like the host. 
And Brooke Burke would be in the middle of the most beautiful ocean and she's like on a jet ski and she's like, Woo! You need to come to Ibiza! This water is amazing! And I'm like, wait a second. And then she's like having, you know, mojitos and she's like, Oh my God, you gotta come to Mexico! The mojitos are amazing! And I'm like, wait a second. This woman gets paid to travel the world to say these things? I'm like, what is that job? I want that job. So I get back to school a couple weeks later and I go straight to my guidance counselor's office and I'm like, hey, listen, I'm not sure this is what I want to do anymore, but I still want to graduate in May. That was why I took my um, internship early because I wanted to to graduate in the four years. So she's like, okay, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to take some communication classes. How can I do that? So I had to drop. Actually, what happened was I was in a physiology class and the teacher, she was used to go to Harvard or whatever, teach at Harvard. And so I don't know what she was talking about. Now, mind you, I did everything I needed to, but this physiology class was like one right. of the last things you really got to do for this exercise science degree. And so she goes, pop quiz on Thursday. And I said, oh, that's my cue. So when she said pop quiz on Thursday, and I had no idea what she was talking about the whole time. I go down to the guidance council office and I say, so she said, okay, if you drop this class right now. And it was just, I think I was literally- The, the, the time frame. But exactly, mm-hmm. I was still, I had them about a week. She said, if you drop this class right here and you, I think I had to either drop something else, it would free me up and I could take an independent course and then I could take a communication class and I could now start exploring communication. And I said, yeah, let's do that. So that's kind of how it started because I wanted uh, to get into entertainment recording. And uh, so I got started there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's because I was wondering if it had found you or did you find it? But it sounds like in the midst of your search, AKA journey, NK, AKA exploring, you were able to carve out a space that you felt best suited you. Cause like you said, if I'm going to do it, I'm probably going to be doing this for the next 30 years. And so. Yeah. And uh, what I will say is that acting has, had been something that I had wanted to explore since I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. I actually wanted to be a part of the high school play, but I had basketball. I wanted to, um, even my freshman year going into Temple, I wanted to take acting classes, but the elective was only offered once one semester, which was in the fall. And if I wanted to graduate in four, I couldn't wait on it. So there was moments in my life that I wanted to explore acting. I remember in eighth grade um, for one of our English finals, we had to either write a report or act out a scene. And it was, the book was Of Mice and Men, which is actually one of my favorite books and one of my mm-hmm. favorite movies that I actually haven't thought about of Mice and Men in a long time. Such a classic. And that's kind of when I got really bit by the bug because I was in eighth grade and I'm aware of myself now. I had did church plays when I was younger, you know, <laughs> but I, I felt great. And I had this feeling, this thing I couldn't explain of this high of this joy of this performance. Now, mind you, I was nervous as all heck, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I was super excited. And I did so well. And I really wish, and I don't know if people didn't know it at the time, but I wish my, you know, my teacher said, hey, you know, did you ever think about, you know, because sometimes you just don't know what you don't know, you right. know? And so um, at the time, I actually got bit by it. So it had been with me all these years throughout. So it was finally time that I could make the space for myself to explore. Got it. See, I didn't know that. Now, Mm -hmm. what is it about the lights, the camera and the action? Or is it or was it the interviewing people on the Love Life dating show? Because I found that out. I said, oh, wait a minute. I got to bring that up. Like, what is it about (laughs) 
acting and modeling because you you do a variety of things. I said media entrepreneur in your bio, yeah, not like just that. one dimensional, no ma'am. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, I actually started out modeling and I love modeling um, as well. And hosting the Love Life Dating Show was something kind of like a throwback for where I started wanting to host, wanting to be like Oprah Winfrey and mm-hmm. sitting on the you know, doing that all. And I had actually um, did like a pilot for a teen talk show when I had graduated college. I had sent out my tapes to like, I don't know, 30, 40 places across the country. Nobody said, nobody did, <laughs> not one person. And I, I was kind of like, okay, what do I do now? And um, so I did my teen talk show. I did a pilot for it. I really wish I would have kept going with that. I think it would have been something really amazing. Um, and so, yeah, Love Life kind of was an ode to like wanting to do something fun and creative for myself, loving hosting, loving talking to people, but also loving exploring love. Like love and relationships is just one of those mm-hmm. topics you can just continue to talk about over and over and over. And I'm having a, a challenging time in dating. So I was like, let's explore this. Like let's we got to talk out. about this. It's, let's share. Yeah, there's, there's so much going on. Um, so that is why, you know, I did Love Life. That's my love for um, just talking to people and interviewing and learning and modeling the same. It's just, you know, getting dressed up, getting dolled up and posing and expressing yourself without speaking is, is, is something that I find really um, poignant and special. And um, acting, so the lights, camera, the lights and, you know, all of it can be very... Um, enticing mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it also it's not I'm, listen the thing the parts that everybody see of acting is the dessert like ah, it's, i like that it's, okay yeah it's really not where the work is it's really not mm. you know it's not i'm not gonna say it's not fun but it's not what people think when they say, oh, this is fun, I'm gonna get into acting. It's not that. It's fun when you finally can like let go and let the performance and all that just kind of flow. But the business is not fun. Like the rejection is not fun. Mm-hmm. Learning new lines every other day, 10 pages sometimes, that's not necessarily fun. It's stressful not knowing when your next job is coming, when your next paycheck mm-hmm. is coming. If you're doing something good or bad, it's because you're not booking the work, you're thinking you're doing something bad. And actually, just because you're not booking doesn't mean you're bad. It just means it's not the perfect fit for you. But you just don't have any of these answers. You don't have any of this information. And so you can spend your life in depression and sadness and and confusion because you feel like there's this thing that's on my heart that I love to do, but it's not working for me. And I don't know why or I don't know if I should leave. And then you have people around you that are like, well, maybe you should think about doing something else. And you're like, no, but I, this is what I want right. to do. And I'm spending already so much of my time. And I've invested so much of my time into this thing. So I want to kind of keep going. But a lot of people leave. A lot of people don't survive the business. Right. Um, it's a challenge. The fun is when you do get to finally, you know, the work is done and you get to go to a party or you get to go to an awards show. And even that is work, you know what I mean? You still have to get dressed up. You still have to present yourself. And then you have still to be, be cordial when you get there. Yeah. You gotta show you gotta, up. You gotta show up and you gotta, they're gonna interview you on the red carpet. You have to be ready. So you're always having to be ready. So people think like, oh, being on TV is so much fun and you get to do, it's like, 
there's so much work and sacrifice. I, you don't even know how much sacrifice I've done for this business. I'm, sh- I'm not sure. Seeing, not seeing so many of my friends, um, not going out a lot or getting to go to social functions, not being able to travel as much as I want to, mm-hmm. whether that's because of my account or whether it's because I'm on hold for jobs or that I didn't, then I don't go on the trip and then I don't even book the job, but I didn't know I wasn't going to book the job. And this is so Trade much off. that you have to really, yeah, I mean, it's huge. So I don't, people really need to understand this is a great place to be, but it comes with a lot. So I saw something some years ago and it was saying about like Jennifer Lopez's salary. And it's like, she's not making the money for this particular movie at this particular moment. The money that we make is because of all the time over the mm-hmm. years that we spent and, and, and sacrificed and accumulated and put into this business. That's what we're getting paid for now. That's why we get, you know, five, $10 million for a movie. 20 million if you're a man, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's been a lot of time. And you're also employing a lot of people through the avenue that you're working, you know? Rihanna can make the money she makes because when she puts on a tour, how many people are working? Mm-hmm. She's getting to employ, because she says, I'm gonna go do this thing on stage. Now hundreds of people get to get a job. Right. So she gets as much money as she gets and she deserves it. So many more people are making so much money off of her, you know? Yeah. Got it. Now, it's interesting you mentioned we only see the dessert. I like that. Now, what would be considered the entree in your story? Like, if you had to say, because you just talked about the sacrifice, a lot of the things that you had to give up to get to where you are now, which from a fan, from someone looking on the outside in, I mean, first of all, Law & Order is my my show. So anyone who's on Law & Order, I'm already like, woohoo, can I get an autograph? So, you know, kudos to the success that you have uh, obtained, that you have worked hard for, uh, that you have strived to be uh, an expert in your field. But what's that one thing about you that has separated you from the rest? Like, that's what I want to know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what she's doing over there. Um, Listen, I don't I don't know. And um I don't know if that's good or bad, but um, I feel like I have my own personal uniqueness as we all do. And mm-hmm. I feel like I show up on camera in a way that not everybody does. I feel like I have um, kind of like a moth to a flame type of an energy. I feel like when people see me, whether it's in the street, in a room, on TV, they're interested. They want to know who that is, what's her story, what she's doing, what she's talking about. So I feel like I have a bit of like a je ne sais quoi. You know, um, mm-hmm. some people have it and some people don't, darling. Very true. Uh, <laughs> Very true. <laughs> so I would say, yes, I think that that is something that works in my favor. The essence of me, the, the, the power that I vibrate, that vibrates through me, the energy that um, precedes me. Um, and I think I'm also and actually a, like a kind person. Like I think I'm actually. <laughs> that matters. Like, listen, you know, I mean, listen, that's a nugget Ted drop. Bundy, it is, but you know what? Ted Bundy didn't think he was a, a mean person, I'm sure. <laughs> so, you know, we all think we're the best of who, you know what I mean? But I, I really feel like my actions exemplify that. And I really try to live a certain way in my life every day that I'm not necessarily having to put on a certain facade because it's who I am. You know, mm-hmm. I show up the way I show up. It's authentic. 
Um, so between being authentic, having a bit of je ne sais quoi, and then just kind of having the grit to stick with it and the faith that I need for God to do the work through me, mm. um, I think maybe what separates me. I love it. I love it. Now that kind of that kind of gets me to this next question. So what areas do you practice discipline and structure? And I like to call them the morning nuggets. Like what's your morning nugget? Like what's Well, I'm glad you're doing the morning nugget because if yes. you just said what areas do you practice discipline and structure, I probably wouldn't have an answer for you, <laughs> which is not good. <laughs> I've been listen, I have been fighting against myself. I'm like, this discipline thing, it needs to tighten, you need to tighten up, Tani. You really need to tighten up. It's it's imperative. Listen, mm-hmm. you can have nothing without discipline. Nothing in the world. Wait I think a minute. Say, wait, say it again for the people in the back who only got one headphone on. Say that again, please. You can't, you can't do anything in this world without discipline. Amen. Confidence and discipline, I think, are the two prime factors that you need to succeed in anything that you do in this world. Because I always say you can take, you can do something once. Like you can take one step. You can, anybody can do anything one time, but can you do it a second time? Can you take mm-hmm. the second step and the third and the fourth and therefore it keeps going. Um, so that's what, you know, the discipline comes in. It's like, oh, I can do that. Okay, but can you keep doing it? Can you do it repetitively um, or repeatedly? Um, so those so when when you say structure and discipline in my morning my morning routine really has um changed my life and i started a morning routine i would say back in 2016 i believe it was Mm -hmm. um and that would be and even now i think i'm not even as good as i am i'm not even as good as it now as i was a few years ago and i'm working to, to get better at it and get back to being as um, stringent as I was because it would it literally takes me two hours but it needs to be I need to be tight about it or mm-hmm. else it's going to take me four or five and then it's like okay well the day is over you're not even in the morning no more right you're, you're not in the morning you. anymore but um so I wake up I journal I read yes. um I do bible work and then I will do exercise a form of exercise and then once I'm done exercising I stretch and then through the stretching and such I take cases through to my prayer and meditation so those are the things that I like to do every day to anchor myself. And it really, um, I can feel the difference in my life when I am doing those things in, in a consistent basis and in, a, mm-hmm. in an effective way. Um, I can feel the peace. I can feel the joy. I can feel the confidence. And things start to happen. You know, mm-hmm. things literally start to manifest themselves. And I'm just, I feel closer to God. And then what happens is that it's so crazy. I get scared. I get nervous. I'm like, oh my gosh. Everything I've been saying is happening. Everything right. I think, and then I'm like, oh wait, Oop. and then I start to falter, and then I'm not doing it as you know as consistently, and then so now my vibration is not as high, and now I can get back to giving myself um, the excuses and the fear of failure reasons or fear of success reasons, you know. Um, so I've been mindful of those things mm-hmm. and how it's showing up in my life, and that I need to you know improve and get better, but. In terms of discipline and structure, my morning routines have really helped shape me and keep me um, on on path and keep me peaceful. Because in this business, you have that's the thing. It's like as an actor, your your voice, your body, your emotions is your instrument. So mm-hmm. you have to have it 
in check at all times because you just don't know when you're going to get a call. I can be on this call right now with you and an audition comes in and I get it when I'm done and it's eight pages and it's due by tomorrow at two o'clock. Like I have to be in a space mm -hmm. where I can study, get, you know, receive that information, be in touch with the character, bring whatever level of emotions. Exactly. So it's constant. It's the, that's the beautiful thing about being an artist. It's like you're constantly having to do the self-work in order to be ready in order to do the work work. Ooh, love it. That was the, the nugget drop, folks. If you missed it, go ahead and <laughs> rewind that. Okay. So with many accolades and experiences in your portfolio, I mean, you just shared your, your story, your journey, and I'm vibing with it. What advice would you give an athlete or a career changer thinking of entering acting modeling industry? I would say learn as much as you can. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that kept me insecure for a while, for a long time with my actor is that I didn't go to like a conservatory or I didn't go get my master's in fine arts. I didn't go to school, like grad school and like study this thing. And I think because of that, even though I studied and took classes with some really amazing coaches, Marisha Phillips is one of my coaches, um, I still felt like I didn't have what it took. Now, I do have what it takes, but for some reason, not having the quote-unquote uh, official training behind me mm -hmm. led me to believe that I didn't have what it takes. So it actually, for me, I feel like it's prolonged my career in a way where it's kept me out the game because I just didn't believe in myself. And so I think if sometimes some people can, listen, some people believe in themselves as right. they wake up, they're here, they believe. Some people, it takes a little bit more work and a little more um, you know, conscious effort or thought to believe. But I think that with this business, having the training just gives you that automatically. It almost gives you that confidence in your backpack right away. Cause it's like, well, I'm trained. I literally went to school to do this. So I know what I'm doing. Um, so I would say learn as much as you can about the business, mm -hmm. go to school, take the courses, um, take your acting courses. Cause there's so much to learn with acting. There's body movement. There's voice there you know there's structure there's the way we speak you know i don't know if you know this but there's a way actors speak and you can tell mm -hmm. a classically trained actor the way she speaks or he speaks versus somebody who's not necessarily classically trained and you see who the people are working who are who are working i would say um also if you're interested in entertainment business maybe find somebody you admire and take a look at their their process or mm -hmm. their um journey what did they do? You know, what classes did they take? Who did they study with? What books did they read? How did they, you know, what was their first project? And kind of mimic it, you know? Um, so if this person that you love went to Yale and you still have time and an opportunity and you can audition, maybe you go to Yale as well. There, the, the thing about this business is that there's, there's really not a lot of people who get to skip the steps. There's not mm. a lot of people who get to take the elevator. Mm. You know, a lot of people have taken the stairs on this journey. And there's some people who come out of college, they go on one audition and boom, they're a star. That happens. And, but you just don't know if it's going to be you or not. And you don't know if your journey is right. two years or 20 years. And But you just have to, you know, commit. So uh, most people, 98% of us are taking the stairs. Not a lot of people can yes, take the elevator. with two feet. So <laughs> with two feet. So I would say, you know, equip yourself with as much knowledge as you can by the people that you may admire or like and 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 kind of use them as an influence in, in the steps that you take. And even with modeling, um, 
what types of pictures you need to take, what kind of modeling do you want to do, make sure that your portfolio reflects it, whether it's going to be lifestyle modeling or high fashion modeling. Mm-hmm. But your, 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 your portfolio, your book needs to reflect the type of work that you want to do. And if it's both, it's both, but it needs to be in there. Um, so I would definitely say just educate, educate, learn as much as you can. Get a mentor who's been in the business who can guide you um, in, on this journey and keep your faith. Okay. Amen to that one. All right. So, Tani, I would like for you to fill in the blank. I hope listeners walk away knowing my mission, my purpose is to. Yeah. Uh huh. My mission, my purpose is to stay true to myself. Ooh, nugget drop. I think, yeah, I think if we all stay true to ourselves, this world would be a different place. Mm. I think there would be more love. I think there would be less people sad and angry, depressed. I feel like there would be more unity, more peace. And Mm -hmm. I say all these things because we would be aligned with who we are, right? Whether or not you are on the positive end of the spectrum or the negative end of the spectrum, but you wouldn't be, a positive person wouldn't be mixing with a negative person, right? right? Because it's like, I'm staying true to who I am. And I know that this feeling that I have when I'm around this other person isn't a positive feeling. And so, you know what, I'm going to honor myself by removing myself from that negative situation. But because we're not true to ourselves and we, I listen, I'm a nice girl. And I'm, I've fallen victim to this all the time, giving more grace to people than necessarily mm-hmm. needed, you know, and I'm always trying to look for the good in people and like, oh, well, they didn't mean that. Or, oh, well, maybe it's just, you know, oh, and it's just like, no, that Maya Angelou said it and she said it best. And it's going to always be true when people show you who they are, believe them. Sure. And we, we don't want to. And it's like, we see things in ourselves and we believe it that is not true, but yet we don't, we see those same things in others, but we won't believe it's true for them. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll believe it for ourselves first, but we won't believe it's true for them. And I think if we can operate from a place of faith and not fear, then we can stay true to ourselves because now we're not going to be worried that this thing that we're holding on to or that we're believing for isn't going to come true. We're going to know it's going to come true, but we're just going to know that this isn't the path to get there. Staying true to myself, I'm going to know, listen, <laughs> I got to get off this road, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that road over there. Um, I think in relationships, it would work more, too, because then people would be with the person they should be with right. and not unhappy and, and staying in relationships for the sake of having someone, mm-hmm. you know, not being afraid to be alone if you need to be alone and trusting and knowing that what's for you will find you. Yes. Oh, oh, so, so true. <laughs> so, so true. Yeah. Okay. So what's next for you, yeah. Tani? Like, like, where can we see you grace the screen again? What kind of projects you got coming up? Because again, media entrepreneur, you do not just do one thing. And I, and I think that that's unique and it's special and it's important because I personally, now that I have had you on this platform, I was a fan before, but now I want to know where can I follow you? So what, what do you got coming up next? Well, this time right now, um, I'm sure there's plenty coming. I have yet to be notified. How about that? Okay. There's more coming. It. I have yet to be notified. Seeds yes, planted. exactly. Seeds are planted. Seeds are planted. Um, I'm also working on a couple script ideas that I've had for years and years and years and years and mm-hmm. years and years and years. Um, so I've been writing. Um, so, however, I'm, I'm hoping I've, I've set a goal for June to be done with this script. 
um, writing. I want to just do one episode and then do uh, like an outline for the rest of the season because once I start pitching it, networks, it's, you know, you can spend a lot of time writing and they'll just mm-hmm. trash all of that. And so it's like, okay, let me at least do one episode lay it out and then give them the outline and then pitch that and see how that goes. So I have a few, I've shared the concept with a few people and people are liking it. Um, so they're like, okay, let me know when it's ready. I have, so I have a, I have that one and then I have a couple more in queue that I'm going to continue to write as well. Looking to do season two of Love Life. It's been a while, but yes. looking to finally come back okay. with season two of Love Life, um, getting back out on these streets post pandemic like we're still right, in it right. we're not sure what's happening so it'll be interesting to see how people have you know shifted their thoughts about love or relationships during the pandemic um and now thereafter are people more interested in finding love or are people like no we don't know what's going on so i just want to continue to be crazy um so yeah so, so you're that, busy. And so hopefully, listen I'm, I'm trying to do my best to keep myself busy um, as an artist, that's the thing you have to kind of either wait by the phone or you create some stuff in the meantime while you're waiting. I love it. I love it. So, the, all right, I got one more last question. Like, who's your favorite? No. Favorite show that you watch on a rainy Sunday? Hmm. Is this like a current show or any show? It could be any show because I'm... I'm I'm good for watching old Martins. I'm good for watching and living color. Like I do old school stuff. It don't have hmm. to be newest on Netflix. <laughs> it's a rainy hmm. day. You got your favorite blanket. The weather is not conducive to be outside <laughs> in these New York or LA streets. What's Tony watching? You know, I guess the one thing that keeps coming up is like Grey's Anatomy. I know. Uh, <laughs> yes, what I say, I love it. Yes, Grey's Anatomy. Listen, Grey's Anatomy has been on what, 18 seasons. Listen. It's been like 20 years. It's the same thing, but for some reason, it just keeps me coming back. I, Everybody. I love Grey's Folks Anatomy. Folks died, came back. Folks is angels now. <laughs> and I don't care what nobody say. Meredith is the best. I don't give a nobody says she's never gonna. I, I love Bailey. Is gonna go on. You, you like who? You like Bailey? Bailey. I like Bailey too. But yeah, Meredith yeah. been through so much. They just keep. She has. Yeah. Yeah. Chandra just. I know. It's right funny. Now. It's like, please don't let them. Uh, no, not another accident. No, not another plane right. crash. Not Meredith. But, um, she got twenty five lives. <laughs> Yeah, she does. But she she said that she's like, I'm ready for it to go. Ellen Pompeo. She said, can somebody please cancel this? Right. So I can, no. I'm like, listen, mm-hmm. you know how many people want your job? Okay. You know how many people want your job? <laughs> and it's funny because watching Grey's Anatomy and you see how many people have come through that program. Mm-hmm. It's like a program in a way, right? Because it's like you get you go on Grey's Anatomy. If you, as an actor, you can get on Grey's Anatomy, you're pretty, you pr- like it's like Law and Order. You it's, the, pretty, it's, the, it's the elevator? It's the... It's, it's a little elevator. bit of an elevator. Yeah. Okay. Once people see, look, you got Grey's Anatomy on you, you got to be a good actor. They don't take slouches. You know, mm-hmm. everybody that comes through that show, guest stars, um, co-stars, and series regulars, they're, I mean, chops galore. So Grey's Anatomy is just one of those shows. It's quality. You're going to get great acting, great storytelling, yes. great writing. Yes. You know, it's just, it's, yeah, I think that's what it is. I'm just like, hmm. We're going to leave it at that, Grey's Anatomy, because I agree with you. And I, you know, my people will tell me, you still watching that show? Yep, I sure am. Still watching that show. (laughs) Mm. 
Awesome. Join us next week for more nuggets, a new guest, and a new episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avian's Tea Room. For the lover of tea and accessories, avianstearoom.com has the right blend. So shop now. Again, Tani, thank you so very much. I appreciate you. It's been my pleasure, Christina. Thank you for having me.